Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. And if you're a grandparent, no doubt you know there's no greater joy than sharing a lively, information-packed adventure book with your grandchildren. So today's show is going to be a special treat. Our guest, Crispin Boyer, has written more than 20 books for National Geographic Kids, wherein he's covered numerous topics that young readers find fascinating. His nonfiction books have run the gamut from bugs to sharks and from ninjas to knights in shining armor. But Crispin's joining us today to share all about the third book in his beloved fictional series, Zeus the Mighty. This new one is called Zeus the Mighty, The Trials of Harry Cleese, and this latest adventure is only for the bravest and most awesome gods at all evolved. So I am shuddering with trepidation a bit, but I gotta welcome you to the show. Hi there, Crispin. Hey, good morning. Or I guess good good afternoon. <laughs> Actually it is still morning where I am. So oh, well exactly. it it I had the wonderful pleasure of interviewing you for Zeus the Mighty, the Maze of the Menacing Minotaur. Uh, and this latest book is is equal to that, maybe even a little more exciting because it is, of course, for the bra- bravest and most awesome gods of all. But before we get into this book, I would like to ask you a little bit to share the background of the Zeus books as a whole because Zeus and his fellow gods live in a very interesting place that a number of us will recognize. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, I'd love to talk about the the Zeus series. So Zeus is a little hamster who actually believes he's Zeus, the king of the gods, and they live in a pet rescue center in Athens, Georgia. Yes, that's, <laughs> yes, in Athens, Georgia. And so they, they go about nightly adventures that basically recreate myths from Greek mythology. So there's Zeus, and he's joined by the other Olympian gods who are all other rescue animals. So there's Athena the cat, there's Demeter, the grasshopper. There's Poseidon, the pufferfish. And so whenever they're in their pet center, whenever they look around the, the pet shop, they don't see the aquariums. They don't see the, the display stands. What they see is actually Greece. So they'll look at the aquariums and see the Aegean Sea, or they'll look at all these different displays and racks, and they'll see mountains and valleys and artifacts. And uh, it's a way for, for to kind of to bridge the gap between a, a fun adventure in a pet center with a bunch of goofy animals and also teach re- young readers a little bit about Greek mythology. Well, that's the thing I found especially interesting with this series because, first off, you do not talk down to your readers. I like that a lot. Uh, the book is peppered uh, with references like the Agora, and then another phrase I, I wanted to write down, Poise. Poseidon brandishing his trident, and <laughs> lots of great things like that. So it really is education, uh, educational served up with a great big bowl of Greek mythology. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, it is National Geographic. They're the publishers. So this is one of their first fiction series. So it does have to, you know, as being part of being from that publisher, it does need to be educational. But we try and sneak it in. So really, whenever the readers are reading it, they're just enjoying, like, kind of the interactions between these characters. Uh, you know, Zeus, uh, he's a little hamster with a big ego, so he always uh, comes up with these ideas that aren't necessarily the greatest ideas <laughs> for their adventures. So, 
he has Athena the cat, who's kind of the, the, you know, she's the goddess of wisdom. She kind of keeps him on the straight and narrow, keeps him from his own, from, uh, saves him from his own worst ideas. He's a little bit like Michael Scott from The Office. He just has these delusions of confidence, and he's, he's actually, uh, <laughs> he's just kind of a, a, a goofball. And then you've got Ares, who's this pug, who's based on the god of war, and he's this force of chaos that just runs around and destroys everything. Um, and, you know, the, the pet shop has an owner, a human owner. It, it, it does kind of, uh, it takes some suspension of disbelief because you have these animals that can all talk to each other, and they go on these nightly adventures. They can understand Artie, the owner, but she doesn't, under, she doesn't know that all of this stuff's going on every night. She doesn't realize it. It's a little bit like Toy Story where uh, the, the adults don't really see, the humans don't really see the toys going on their adventures. It's, it's similar in this, uh, in this world too. So Artie, the pet shop owner, will come back, come into work every morning and the pet shop will be destroyed. There'll be, you know, the, the aquariums will be drained. There'll be all kinds of crazy stuff happening. Ceiling fans will be broken. The toilet will be overflowing. And it's all a result of the animals nightly uh, re- reenacting of a Greek myth. And, uh, you know, as the series goes on, uh, and now that we're at book three, Artie uh, starts to, the owner of the pet shop, she, she wants to kind of keep an eye on what's going on. So she places a security camera over the pet center. And that's what a lot of this particular installment has to deal with, is, is dealing with the security camera. When you were talking about that, you know that the animals keep the owner guessing. Do the animals keep you guessing too? I mean, do they kind of speak to you? And and how do you come up with all these great ideas? These naughty, naughty adventures. Uh, Yes, they do speak. I have a pretty good, pretty good idea. These these animals all live. They inhabit my mind, my imagination. (laughs) And you know, one thing that's funny is uh, in this book, the third book, we introduce a new character. Hermes the hen, she's a rescue hen from a, a farm. Uh, she, she used to be in a poultry farm and would lay eggs and, and uh, stop laying eggs, so the owner of the farm gave her up for adoption. And now she has joined the Olympian crew. And I actually live on a farm, and, and my wife uh, found a hen that looks just like this character, Hermes, and got it for me as a gift. So we, not only did these animals live in my head, actually have one living here <laughs> in our farm. <laughs> Definitely, oh gosh! Because uh, well, your your life must be full. I have to say, full. <laughs> well, the other thing I have to ask you is because it is you know well it's sent in modern day. It, it, it's, it's, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm losing my words here. It's uh, as it uh, you t- it takes place. There we go in modern day <laughs> in like a pet shop and all that. But you, there are so many references to ancient Greece. Was this a time a time and place that really fascinated you, or how did that happen? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just because I have written a lot of nonfiction books for National Geographic, and so I've I've uh, written a lot about all time periods, history, medieval times, and ancient, and ancient Egypt, and ancient Greece was one of them. And I always thought ancient Greece was one of the most fascinating because it was a very sophisticated civilization for being uh, so long ago. And that's part of the, the charm of this series is getting to write about the kind of the, the ancient Greek uh, theology. Their, their God structures, they had all these different, you know, all these different gods, Zeus and, and Hades and Poseidon and, and and, and they're all going to make an appearance in the book as different characters. But in, in Greek mythology, these gods, they weren't exactly the uh, uh, pillars of <laughs> theology. They weren't very moral or, or very uh, – they, they were kind of jerks. Like, and it was really the humans 
the mortals of the time and the way that they took their, their lessons and their marching orders from the gods that, and tried to live like a, a humble, uh, hardworking, um, moral life. It's the humans that are really the heroes. So in, in this series, you kind of see the animals, uh, the, the, the Greek god uh, re- reenacting their, or basically copying their, their, their Greek god counterparts. And uh, I think that's one of the most interesting things about it. And plus, you know, Greece itself and ancient Greece, that part of the world is beautiful. And so they try and capture that, uh, it, when, what the animals see in the pet center. And of course, there's unlimited monsters and artifacts to pull from, you know, there's, uh, there's hydras and, and whirlpool monsters and three-headed dogs. So there's no shortage of, of uh, challenges and, and obstacles for the animals to face. The challenge is bringing these creatures, these monsters to life in a, in a pet rescue center. So say Charybdis, the whirlpool monster, uh, is actually the, the toilet at the pet center that overflows. So what, what is the a toilet in real life, the animals see as a, as a, as a different monster. So it's just, uh, that's part of the challenge of it, sure. Oh, gosh, Crispin. Well, obviously you've got a lot going on in your head and your imagination. But now I'd like to be a little more specific to this latest book because it is, uh, again, it's a real delight to get to read these as an adult and, uh, you know, in terms of your sharing it with your grandchildren too. So tell us about this latest venture that is only for the bravest and most awesome gods. <laughs> well, so, yeah, we have a new Olympian god has joined the group. It's Hermes the Hen. And in mythology, uh, there's, there's the famous mortal Hercules or Heracles. Uh, you know, P- uh, Greek historians have different ways of pronouncing his name. And he became immortal by undergoing these challenges or these labors. So in this installment, we've got this new animal that's come to the pet rescue center, Hermes, who wants to join the Olympians. And of course, Zeus is very protective of his uh, squad of gods and, and He's, uh, you know, he, he's jealous. He doesn't want another god joining their group. So they, in every installment, they listen to this podcast called the uh, Greeking Out, and it's hosted by the Oracle of Wi-Fi. And the, the uh, host of the, will always explain a new myth, and the host explains the trials of Hercules. So Zeus is like, all right, Hermes, if you want to join us, then you have to complete these different challenges that Hercules did, and then you'll become immortal. And then, of course, Zeus doesn't want Hermes to complete these challenges, so he tries to complete them first and sabotage them. And so in this adventure, you see, you get to learn about these different challenges. One is fighting the, uh, defeating the Hydra, which is a multi-headed monster. Um, another is, is uh, you have, they have to track down Cerberus, a three-headed guard dog. And, you know, I'm not going to spoil what happens, but uh, it ends up uh, having some unexpected uh, results in, by, by the end, and they even and travel to some new parts of the pet center, a.k.a. new parts of ancient Greece. Oh, boy. Okay, you're leaving us with a cliffhanger there, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if before we have to run, I just want to ask a couple more questions. First off, do you recommend any particular ages for your target audience? It's uh, between 8 and 12, like middle school age. Um, and there are other parts of the – at the back of the book, there is a, a section called Truth Behind the Fiction that then breaks down the actual myth and, and explains ancient Greece and, and all of the gods and stuff too. So once readers get through uh, the story and if they feel like they want to learn more about it, they can read the, the, the section at the end of the book. 
Well, and I think, too, I mean, this is opening up not only a whole world in the pet shop, but a whole world outside of that and, you know, really encouraging learning and uh, curiosity and all that other wonderful things that we wish for our children. And speaking of uh, curiosity, I'm curious because, as I understand it, this is, series is going to be is planned for seven books. Yeah, that's the plan, and I've actually just, uh, I'm finishing up book five right now, so I'm always working a, a bit ahead, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and, and every every installment will cover a different myth, uh, the, you know, the first one was the, the uh, Golden Fleece, Quest for the Golden Fleece, the second one was the Minotaur, this one's the Trials of Hercules, and uh, moving forward, you can just imagine like the monsters we haven't seen yet, the myths, uh, we'll probably run into Medusa, Hades, go to the underworld, uh, there's, you know, there's no end of... Uh, inspiration for the uh for the source material here well and speaking of inspiration i think you have inspired all of us <laughs> to again you know kind of embrace that that real aspect of do you know sharing things with our grandchildren and you know exciting them and making them curious and as a final question do you have any uh any thoughts you might leave for encouraging those of us with grandchildren to you know support their sense of adventure and uh, reading Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, kids these days have really so much, uh, so many different things competing for their attention, from podcasts to the internet to video games to books. And uh, I think it's kind of hard to to uh, focus them on one particular thing. I mean, with this book series, there is a podcast that's inspired by it. There's a website that has uh, more information in video games, and then there's the book. So it, it's kind of like, uh, why fight it? Let let them kind of see what what different uh, parts of, uh, you know, entertainment pull at the threads of their interest. And eventually, once their interest in something builds, they're going to want to consume all of it. So they're going to want to read the books, but also look at the podcasts or, or look at things online. And I, I say, don't don't stand in their way. <laughs> let, their, let their attention span take them where they, they want to go. Oh, gosh. Well, before we have to leave, what is it? Do you have the URL for the podcast or where can we find that? Well, the podcast so is called Greeking Out, and it's just on, you know, it's on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and you can find out more about it if you go to ZeusTheMighty.com, and it's kind of your one-stop shop for all things related to the book. Oh, Crispin, I have been so looking forward to this interview after the last one. It exceeded my expectations. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your wonderfully creative ideas with us. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, and for all of you listeners out there, especially you grannies, please check out Zeus the Mighty series. Uh, this latest one, The Trials of Harry Cleese, and the others are going to ignite your own imagination, and you can share it with your grandchildren. They will love you for it. It's lively, it's entertaining, and it's going to open their eyes to the wonders of history. Until next time, this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, uh, wishing you uh, see you later. Bye-bye.